Welcome, fellow brave believers. This is Kingdom Cast. I'm Sean Griffin. Thanks for joining us again. You're watching this on Kingdom in Context, and if you haven't already, please subscribe and hit the like bell. Hit the uh, the bell for notifications, and then uh, if you get anything out of this video, hit the like. That way, um, it gets into the good algorithms. YouTube will share it. But something tells me all the words that I'm going to be using tonight in this video, YouTube's not going to share it. In fact, they might just straight pull it from the platform. So. Um, this information is basically very, very taboo in social media and also in uh, the big tech companies because I'm basically going to be calling out their own ideology, both religious and political. So, you know, record it if you have to. Basically, I'm, I'm going to be recording it um, tonight so I can share it on other platforms just in case they remove it from YouTube. But I want to thank everyone for joining me tonight. Uh, we're going to be, as you saw, we're going to be talking about. Um, communism and how it's actually the religion of Babylon. And I'm going to explain a little bit about that as well. But first off, just want to say hello to everyone in the chat. I appreciate everyone showing back up tonight. Um, looks like we have uh, David Shearer. Shalom, brother. Looks like he's saying everything sounds good and looks good. West Blaze is here. Good to see you, brother. Uh, Earl Rogers, Paul Disciple, Nathan Lyles, Karen C., Jess, Jesse, Rob Dawson, The Lion with Dennis. Welcome, everyone. Trip to 2776. Bobby Moe. Looks like there's a Stephen Schofield. There's uh, Stephen Belk. Welcome, everybody. I appreciate you guys being here. Thanks for waiting. We got a little late start tonight, but um, it's just because I was having to minimize the amount of information <laughs> that I was wanting to present tonight and having to really rethink how how much information I want to put down because I want to keep this, you know, off hopefully. Um, within 30 to four minutes if possible. But if you, if you haven't already, please go over to Kingdom Cast. That's our secondary channel. It has the logo that you see behind me. That's the actual profile image of the channel. You can find the Kingdom Cast link as a shortcut on our recommended channels here in Kingdom and Context. Or you can go into the search bar on YouTube and type in Kingdom Cast. It should be the first thing that pops up. Please subscribe to that. We're trying to build that up so that we can start doing these broadcasts from that one as well. So in the future, all of these these podcasts, they're going to be um, live streamed from that secondary channel. So if you don't want to miss out, make sure to subscribe now before I switch over and do that. All right, everybody, let us start, shall we? Yeah, Dave, thank you, David Shearer. He's putting the, the site up there for everyone to go check it out. He dropped it in the chat. You can go directly there. Um, most of your computers and phones will do picture in picture, so you won't even lose me talking, and it'll let you take you to that side. Uh, side channel and that way you can just subscribe as I'm still talking so you guys are welcome to go try that if you'd like all right let's jump right into it guys I'm gonna screen share hope everyone's ready for an interesting discussion tonight because there's just uh man we, we have some crazy times we're facing guys but a lot of the stuff is is all um, it's all on purpose. You know, this is an orchestrated attack The you know, the enemy that the, the Bible talks about, it says that he is, you know, fools the entire world. And it also says that um, uh, Satan, this, this rebellious angel character that that we've talked about in great depth on this channel as the Azazel that's mentioned in other books, but that this this character um, has his own henchmen, if you will, these unclean spirits that go out and deceive and confuse people. But then it that they deceive and confuse humans, right? To tempt them, to oppress them, to get them to get humans to do their own bad ideologies. And this is what's referred to generically in scripture 
as doctrines of demons. So those bad ideologies that the you know Satan and his his cohorts of unclean spirits will go out and try to uh, trick mankind into believing and supporting. It's not just religious. Always, it's not just religious or what the traditional concept of what we think as a religious idea. Many times, it it um, manifests itself into actual governance over over other human beings, and that's what we see uh, throughout history. It's what we can see in our modern life. You know, it's it's. I think uh, anyone who would try to say that a person's internal belief system that does not equal the types of political policies that they want enacted in their government that person has probably never studied politics. That person's probably, you know, never really taken a second look at it, or they're just very young in life and haven't been around for long because that is a hundred percent what happens when it comes to us um, trying to say, okay, there's a guy that wants to say he wants to represent us, at least in our modern, you know, representative Republic that we have. He says he wants to represent me or my County or my state or whatever. And on behalf of us, and he wants to do our will, right? So therefore we're going to elect him because he seems out of the people that want to represent us, he seems to be the, the one either we either trust the most or we like his policies. We like his belief sets that manifest themselves into public policy. So that's exactly how it, it's always worked is that your internal beliefs, your, whether it's how you believe people should you know, live next to each other in a neighborhood or on a grander scale, whether you believe people should allow babies to go through their full pregnancy and not be killed before their birth from their mother's womb. You see what I'm saying? So these concepts, um, whether great or small, it's all based upon your belief sets, your internal system of understanding what you think is right and wrong and where you get that evaluation of what's right and wrong. And first the, the dominant history of the nation that we live in here in the U S and, and a lot of countries in the last hundred to 150 years, that internal system of belief was built upon biblical principles, and then those were enacted into types of legislation and laws that people could all live by to some degree. But there's been a strong move in the last 120 years to change that fundamental construct of society and to put it into a different, a different belief set that manifests itself out into the public, where laws are now being made in accordance with a wholly different belief set but what's unique and deceptive about it i apologize i still got this on screen what's deceptive about it is that this different belief set that's pushing itself out not every country has accepted it or adopted it and the countries in the last 120 years where they did accept and adopt it it usually was installed installed in that country through lots and lots of bloodshed and revolution it wasn't because the people truly just wanted it there were leaders of a revolution that had propaganda that tricked the masses to doing one thing so they could respond with something else, which then gave them power over the masses. And therefore, this internal belief set that we generically refer to as socialism, which always manifests as communism, this internal belief set, which is contrary to the actual principles in the scripture, that has manifested itself in several countries around the world to the detriment of those citizens of that country. So there's lots of, I mean, history tells the story, lots of bloodshed, lots of, of uh, basically failing. So this is something that um, our country has addressed uh, in great, in great depth as far as, you know, politicians and speakers. And this is something that um, it's an ongoing battle, so to speak. It's an ongoing fight. It's not something that we uh, are, have, have, 
destroyed, if you will. It's not something that was just going to go away easily. Now, for all those who are watching who do know history, um, I love history. I love to study it. And the representative republic that we have is is built off of a which you know let me start by saying this the representative republic that we have is not communist um it's not even a democracy truly truthfully it's a representative republic and it's built upon greek principles from city states and representation and a senate and a congress and things like that and so it's not perfect either it's definitely not what the bible describes as an actual perfect governance that they had listed out in in the book of revelation so what's interesting though is that what we have existed in with this representative republic was a tweaked version of ancient city-states from Greece that has allowed us to have what we call a freedom of religion, right? Freedom of religious beliefs, whereby we have taken these internal belief sets that are based off biblical principles and then put them, enacted in them into laws in various municipalities, cities, states, counties, um, that kind of regions, the whole thing, right? And then when people realize that they've been following something that's that's not um, entirely according with the Bible, then you can have referendums, you can have changes, you can make, you can annul old laws that were that they realized were bad, were not productive or good or loving, and you can change those. We've done that with various things throughout history. I mean, the Thirteenth Amendment. So, the, I mean, there's there's various places where people realized, all right, that we were mistaken and thinking that was a good thing. So now let's change that. We want to uh, uh, we want to we better understand how that did not work, and we want to better use these biblical ideas and manifest them into our society for legislation. So, with all that said, I'm going to be explaining tonight some some great similarities that we find between the idea of Babylon and how it ruled from the beginning comparative to socialism and communism but i'm not saying that we're the the system of government that we have is perfect the only perfect system of governance that we can find is in scripture through you know uh, the, the the son the son of man being king of kings and lord of lords and actually exerting the instructions of god which is called torah so that people abide in those and that's the only thing that's going to create peace that's the promise of his return at the millennial reign is that it'll be a time of peace because that's the system of governance that's followed so even within the representative republic that we have it's heads and tails better than socialism and communism but it's not perfect we acknowledge that um and it's it's one of those things which is why as believers we still even within this country we still await and and uh, pray you know come quickly lord come right because we want peace on earth and <laughs> he's the only one that can implement it and enforce it um in true justice and righteousness you know so that's the idea i just want to as a blanket blanket statement before i start getting into any of this stuff but let's look at this real quick in jubilees chapter 10 18 through 21 it says in the three and 30th jubilee in the first year in the second week peleg took himself a wife whose name was loma the daughter of simnar sinar and she bare him a son in the fourth year of this week and called his name ru for he said behold the children of men have become evil through the wickedness or excuse me, through the wicked purpose of building for themselves a city and a tower in the land of Shinar. For they departed from the land of Ararat eastward to Shinar. For in his days they built the city and the tower, saying, Go to, let us ascend thereby into heaven. And they began to build, and in the fourth week they made brick with fire, and the brick served them for stone. And the clay with which they cemented them together was asphalt, which comes out of the sea, and out of the fountains of water in the land of Shinar. And they built it they built it 40 and three years it's 43 years for they were building it its breadth was 203 bricks and the height of a brick was the third of one its height amounted to 5433 cubits and two palms and the extent of one of walls was 13 stades and the other was 13 stades 
Verse 22 through 26 says, The Lord our God said to us, Behold, they are one people, and this they began to do, and now nothing will be withhold from them. So go to, let us go down and confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech, that they may be dispersed into cities and nations, and one purpose will no longer abide with them till the day of judgment. And the Lord ascended, and we ascended with him to see the city and the tower which the children of men had built. And he confounded their language. They no longer understood one another's speech, and they ceased then to build the city and the tower. For this reason, the whole land of Shinar is called Babel, because the Lord did there confound all the language of the children of men, and from there they were dispersed into their cities, each according to his language and his nation. And the Lord sent a mighty wind against the tower and overthrew it upon the earth. And behold, it was between Asher and Babylon in the land of Shinar, and they called its name Overthrow. So, very interesting. We've got this idea that they were they spoke one language, which means that's why they all worked together and one accord in a, in a, a system that was allowing them to advance with architecture and building materials to create this, you know, this grand rebellion against God and his directive, which was what he told through Noah and his and Noah's sons off the boat, which was to, you know, as Jubilees chapter eight and nine talk about the land that was apportioned to Shem, Ham and Japheth and all their grandchildren to where they were um, given all the land to, to spread out and live and, and be at peace. But that's where the children of Ham decided they wanted to do something different. And we're going to read about not just um, how the child, all the children of Japheth and, and Ham and even uh, some of the children of Shem were drawn into this concept as well. Uh, but we're going to read about how they had a leader that was called Nimrod, and he actually <laughs> he actually took it to a whole different level. We're going to read about that. Because he's actually the one, according to historian, that instigated the idea. Now, for those of you who know that I talk about the Book of Jubilees often as it's a more in-depth explanation of these concepts um, compared to Genesis. You'll also see that Genesis 10 goes on to mention Nimrod. I think it's in, um, I can't remember what verse it's in right now. Uh, I think it's verse 18, but it goes on to mention Nimrod. It says he was you know, a mighty hunter before the Lord. Uh, some translations say he was a giant hunter before the Lord, like in the Septuagint, but ultimately he is the one that rallied the people to start this concept. He was the first king over Babylon, which is this this tower that they built that that was later called Overthrow. Called the place was called Babel. Um, the city itself. There's a city and a tower that was built. It wasn't just a tower. It was a city and a tower, and it was become the beginning of the kingdom, right? And there was all these the people groups of the the descendants of uh, the grandsons and great grandsons and all that of Noah that had been you know um, flourishing. They all came together for 43 years to help build this thing. And so once it got to a certain stage, the father was like, this is bad, right? There's a, there's a couple things going on here. Yes, it was bad because they were trying to ignore the father's instruction, then, which is to spread out up on the earth and build for themselves their own cities and nations and, and, and populate the different regions that the holy judge Noah was assigned to them, right? So that's one concept. And then the other one was the reason why he dispersed their languages because they were working in unity together. And as you as we read together just now, that's not going to change until the day of judgment, till the day of the Lord, till he comes till the second coming of Messiah, right? Till he comes back and routes out the wicked. There's still going to be, uh, even through the millennial reign, there'll be, you know, lots and lots of people that um, still speak their own languages from their own native uh, regions. This, to me, is why I've talked about in the past, one of the gifts of the spirits is speaking in, quote-unquote, tongues, means you speak in different languages. It doesn't mean incoherent battling. It means you speak in different languages. Um, 
to overcome what we see put, you know, as a form of a curse, if you will, upon these rebellious people at this time. Um, you see, that's one of the gifts of the Spirit to help us overcome for the purpose of doing good and ministry what was laid down in Genesis 11 so long ago, or Jubilees 10. Because once they couldn't communicate anymore, then, you know, the they had problems and the thing broke, the, the work construction broke up and they, they all dispersed across the face of the earth like they were intended to. And so the idea, though, was they were all being coordinated and organized. They, they were all under the control of someone who's leading the way for this project. And that's that's what we're going to talk about a little bit. So this is Josephus. I don't quote from him a lot because he's a historian from you know the second century AD, first and second century. And um, I don't quote from him a lot because I don't I don't it's hard to test some of the things that he says and and some of the things that he says, I it, it's I, I look between the Masoretic and the Septuagint and I, I see some issues. Um, but as far as I think it's interesting that even within his commentary on the Tower of Babel and Nimrod, he makes a very astute and unique assertion that I've never seen anyone talk about. So I'll read it for you here tonight. It's in the Antiquity of the Jews, chapter 4, and we're going to look at uh, the first passage. It says, Now the sons of Noah were three, Shem, Japheth, and Ham, born 100 years before the deluge. These, these first of all descended from the mountains into the plains and fixed their habitation there and persuaded others who were greatly afraid of the lower grounds on account of the flood, and so were very loath to come down from the higher places to venture to follow their examples. Now the plain in which they first dwelt was called Shinar. God also commanded them to send colonies abroad for the thorough poppling, peopling of the earth that they may not raise seditions among themselves, but might cultivate a great part of the earth and enjoy its fruits after a plentiful manner. But they were so ill-instructed, they did not obey God, for which reason they fell into calamities and were made sensible by experience of what sin they had been guilty. For when they flourished with the numerous youth, God admonished them again to send out colonies. But they, imagining the, pro the pros prosperity they enjoyed was not derived from the favor of God, but supposing that their own power was the proper cause of the plentiful condition they were in, they did not obey him. Nay, they added to this their disobedience to the divine will, the suspicion that they were therefore ordered to send out separate colonies that, being divided asunder, they might be more easily be oppressed. So he's basically saying the reason they didn't want to spread out was because they thought it was God was trying to oppress them, essentially. Um, and they were they were enjoying, you know, the this synergy that they all had living around each other, basically. And it goes on in the second passage of the same chapter to say, now it was Nimrod who excited them to such an affront and contempt of God. He was the grandson of Ham, the son of Noah, a bold man and of great strength of hand. He persuaded them to not ascribe it to God as if it was through his means they were happy, but to believe that it was their own courage which procured that happiness. He also gradually changed the government into tyranny, seeing no other way of turning men from the fear of God, but to bring them into a constant dependence on his power. He also said he would be revenged on God if he should have a mind to drown the world again, for that he would build a tower too high for the waters to be able to reach, and that he would avenge himself on God for destroying their forefathers. It goes on in the third passage to say, Now the multitude were very ready to follow the determination of Nimrod, and to esteem it a piece of cowardice to submit to God. And they built a tower, neither sparing any pains, nor being in any degree negligent about the work. And by reason of the multitude of hands employed in it, it grew very high, sooner than anyone could expect. But the thickness of it was so great and was so strongly built that thereby its great height seemed upon the view that to be less than it really was. It was built of burnt brick, cemented together with mortar, made of bitumen, that it might not be liable to admit water. 
And when God saw that they acted so madly, he did not resolve to destroy them utterly, since they were not grown wiser by the destruction of the former sins. But he caused a tumult among them by producing in them diverse languages and causing that through the multitude of those languages, they should not be able to understand one another. And he finishes this passage by saying, the place wherein they built the tower is now called Babylon because of the confusion of that language which they readily understood before. For the Hebrews mean by the word Babel, confusion. The syllable also makes mention of this tower and the confusion of the language when he says thus, when all men were of one language, some of them built a high tower as if they would thereby ascend up to heaven. But the gods sent storms of wind and overthrew the tower and gave everyone his peculiar language. For this reason, it was the city it was that the city was called Babylon. But as to the plain of Shinar in the country of Babylonia, Hestatius mentions when he says this, such of the priests as were saved took the sacred vessels of Jupiter in Yalias and came to Shinar of Babylonia. So this was, uh, this was uh, Josephus making some very interesting assertions here, guys. And so let's look at one of these real quick, okay? not only is he saying that these people did not want to go to the different places that the that was told to them by Noah, that was appointed them to go out and spread out, but he's also explaining that um, from his understanding of history, that they also were led by Nimrod to build contempt for the Creator, for the Almighty, and even said he persuaded them not to ascribe it to God, but that it was through their means they were happy. And also, you know, obviously Nimrod's as well, but that it was courage which produced their happiness. He also gradually changed the government to tyranny. Guys, this is exactly what we see in our modern day. This is exactly what we've seen throughout all the propaganda slogans of history, where they say the protesters are being so brave. They're just so brave to stand up to the status quo and to stand up against tyranny and brutality and they're just so brave, right? That, I mean, that is the slogan, the mantra. That is what is pushed of people that share this same uh, this same religious and political ideology I'm going to explain here about socialism communism. This is what we're seeing instilled in the people by Nimrod, who the next sentence, he gradually changed the government to tyranny. I don't know what kind of government they had before that, but he gradually changed the government to tyranny. This has been a systematic issue that we've seen in the last 120 years of gradually instilling in certain factors of the government and of society. And I'm going to read, I'm going to read uh, these concepts to you in just a minute. And so you can, you know, have the screenshot to share amongst your friends or whatever, right? It's a gradual process that takes time. It's a systematic attack in certain key factors that allow you to change your mind and build contempt for God through what you see as a uh, you know, your own bravery, your own, you know, sense of self-will and that it, that's what's going to make you happy. And that basically you're taking your dependence off God and then you're, you're flatulating yourself, um, self-congratulating yourself and, you know, fluffing up your own uh, sense of ego and pride that you are brave enough to stand up to all the patriarchy, to all the colonialism, to all, you see what I'm saying? To all these concepts that we hear these terms, these mantras thrown around and protests by people that are admitted socialists, it's the same concept we're seeing during the Tower of Babel. Um, and he said, unless he got these people to believe that it was their own bravery and their own um, their own means of rejecting God, this contempt of God that produced their own happiness, that was the only way he was going to get them to turn from the fear of God. 
As we read from the very first uh, passage, they didn't even want to go down into the plain areas um, in the days following the flood because they still feared God, right? So they still had this idea. So basically what Nimrod does is he explains to them, like, not only do I want you to be contemptible for God and I want you to turn from him and, and you be brave to do that, right? Because you make your own life, you make your own happiness. Not only is he giving them that speech that we've all heard before, he's tying it into the fear that they already have. What did it say at the beginning? They didn't even want to go down to the lower plains because they feared the flood. Well, what did God promise Noah? He's like, I'm not going to flood again, guys. I promise. I'm not going to do this again, right? But the people still feared irrationally because they didn't believe God's words. So he's playing upon that fear in order to get power over them through mantras and slogans that stroke their own egos, which is a part of deception, to get them to gradually to accept the tyranny that he's exerting control over them, which is why he reigned over all the sons of men during for a time is considered the first and ancient king of Babylon. And he even addresses that fear by saying, I'm going to build a tower to reach to heaven and we're going to plaster it on the outside. So it's waterproof so that we can't ever be flooded again. So we'll have a place of safety in case he ever tries to flood us again. You see how that all works. You see, this, he's just a political showman guys. He's, he's playing upon the weaknesses and the fears of the people in order to get them under his control. So this is, um, this is where, of course, the father comes in and has to do some stuff, right? So it's a very short without going into much. I mean, many of you guys can make the connection without going into much more of, of that, that direct comparison with ancient Babylon. This is the beginning. According to the Jewish historian Josephus, this was their understanding of who Nimrod was and how he gained control over Babylon. And as you saw at the very end of chapter chapter four, um, in, in the second part of passage three, where it basically he starts talking about how they brought their um, their other idols of Jupiter, that the priests would bring their idols of Jupiter to Babylonia. So therefore, we start getting this this mixed religion concept, and it starts becoming even greater than just originally than what it was originally. Now, Jubilee says they were already worshiping idols as well, but this is he's talking about now they're even bringing some from the Greeks as well, because Josephus talks about the Greeks and how prideful they were and stuff. So a little bit different context, but. Um, I am just, I'm saying that to get to the idea that after the languages were dispersed, he's still trying to exert control over different people groups and get them to come to Babylon as a central point of headquarter. With that said, that means Babylon, just as we see in the, in the days of Daniel, just as we see in the Assyrian empire, in the days of Isaiah and Hosea, that Babylonian empire which has different names over times, right? It was the Assyrians taken over by the actual city-state of Babylon, then it becomes the Babylonia, right? So this, this huge, vast control concept that they had had fluctuates throughout time. Um, they had all these different peoples they wanted to rule over. They always expanded out to rule over different people groups, tribes, tongues, and lands. So then all their all their representations of their independence or their solidarity or their their identity as a nation or whatever is is pulled into the central headquarter of Babylon. We are most of us are already familiar with this, but in case you're not, that's why I'm just kind of going over some brief summary ideas. Okay, but let's look. Let's keep going here. Let's look at um, in the modern age. Okay, so we're going to skip forward to the 20th century. We see there's a unique lady and her husband, but we're going to focus on the lady for now. Alice Ann Bailey. Right, so she was born in the 1880s. She was a writer. 
and uh, specifically of Theosophony. She, she wrote Theosophical books. So this is anyone, most of you guys may already know about Theosophical Society. It's basically a whitewashed, intellectualized version of witchcraft. <laughs> if I could just put it like that, guys. So this lady, um, she was born in Manchester, England, but then she came to the United States at the turn of the 20th century, spent most of her life here as a writer and teacher, but she was married to a 32nd degree Freemason whom they together started the Lucis Trust. And this was something that they started in 1932. And this trust, which originally was named the Lucifer Trust, but when she, they, she found out that most Americans thought that Lucifer was Satan, then she actually changed it to the Lucis Trust, which is another video I'm going to do on Isaiah 14, guys. Lucifer is not Satan. They're two different entities. Lucifer's ne Lucifer is Nimrod. That's another name for Nimrod, not, not Satan. So that's this is someone that follows Lucifer who was like, oh, people are people are thinking that we worship Satan, but we're actually following Lucifer. Um, so therefore, we want to we want to back off of this Lucifer name and change this trust name to Lucis Trust, which is hilarious because, you know, it's like if she she knew these this the idea of scripture of where uh, the name Lucifer came from better than most Christians and churches today, which is hilarious. So but what she does, though, is this Lucis Trust was started and established by Alistair and Foster Bailey. That fosters her husband. And it was a vehicle to foster recognition of universal spiritual principles at the heart of all work to build right relations. The trust was incorporated in the state of New Jersey in 1922. A separate limited company, Lucis Trust LTD, was established as an educational charity and incorporated in the United Kingdom in 1935. In 1951, the Lucis Trust was established as a legal entity in Switzerland and Geneva. A publishing company, initially named Lucifer Publishing, was established by Alice and Foster Bailey in the state of New Jersey. Um, in May 1922, they published the book Initiation, Human, and Solar. Anything with the word initiation in it, guys, is usually Freemasonry. The ancient myth of Lucifer refers to the angel who brought light to the world and assumed that the name was applied to the publishing company in honor of a journal, which had been edited for a number of years by a theosophical founder, H.P. Blavatsky. It soon became clear to the Baileys that some Christian groups have traditionally mistaken identified Lucifer with Satan, and for this reason, the company's name was changed in 1924 to Lucis Publishing Company. The Arcane School started in 1923, World Goodwill was established in 1932, and Triangles, another company established in 1937. So they, they've been busy, right? The Lucis Trust is a consultative status with the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations. And the world goodwill is recognized by the Department of Public Information at the United Nations as a non-government organization. As such, the trust and world goodwill are part of a, com a community of many hundreds of NGOs that play an active role in the United Nations, particularly in spreading information about the UN and fostering support for UN programs. Since their inception, Lucis Trust and World Goodwill have given their support through mediation, to, excuse me, through meditation, educational materials, and seminars by highlighting the importance of the UN's goals and activities as they represent the voice of the peoples and nations of the world. All right, guys. So just in case you missed some of that, this they <laughs> these are Freemasons that they um, they have a strong allegiance to Lucifer and they're heavily, heavily tied to the information of consulting, which means they're giving they're they're in with the UN, okay, since the very beginning, and they're still a part of it today. Still, I mean, even in the modernity, that that picture I showed you was their modern logo. 
Now, of course, these people are dead, but the people that continue to run the company and its values and what they stand for continue to propagate the same ideology of religious political um, uh, Luciferianism, basically, right? A in instrumental part of the UN, guys. Did you guys know that there's a, a stone altar to Molech in the meditation room at the UN? Yeah, I've done a video on it. It's it's actually uh, it's on my channel. If you go to like popular uploads, uh, it's one of the most viewed videos on my channel. It's like three minutes long. But they actually have a um, an artistic painting of Molech as well as a stone altar in their meditation room. If you guys see, what's interesting is that they actually it, it said in this breakdown of their of their different uh, non government organization that is a part of how they consult with the United Nations. It says they've given their support through meditation, educational materials and seminars, which I think that's interesting that the UN has a meditation room for the people to come in there and sit in front of a stone altar of Molech, um, which many of you guys know who Molech is. Alice Bailey, she also wrote a book called The Externalization of the Hierarchy. Um, and it says in part of this book, there's a quote from it saying, when the United Nations has emerged into factual and actual power, the welfare of the world will then be assured. We are attempting to do it on a vast scale, and this in spite of opposition, an opposition which can only temporarily succeed. These are the things which the hierarchy in its already successful procedures is aiding and will continue to aid. So she's referring to who's the hierarchy <laughs> that she's trying to externalize, right? Which means she's trying to get it out to the masses. It is this political religious ideology of ancient Babylon. In the preparatory period for the new world order, there will be a steady and regulated disarmament. It will not be optional. No nation will be permitted to produce and organize any equipment for destructive purposes or to infringe on the security of any nation. Well, we're not there yet, are we? Right? We're definitely not there yet. But that's what's what's what they want. That's what's coming down the pike. Here's her 10-point plan for the New World Order and the destruction of Christianity. So, guys, I know there's a lot of people that keep Torah that follow my channel, because I do I do as well. I believe we should keep the commandments of God in our discipleship with Jesus. And within a lot of the Torah crowd, uh, this community of Torah observant believers in our modern day, a lot of them believe that Christianity is um, has, has always been false. And I would challenge that strongly, right? That the word, um, I don't want to go into it in great depth in the comments, guys, but we'll do a video on it some, some other night. But a lot of people have this very poor understanding of history of how you know the the first century believers morphed and were persecuted and um, and how things came to be and what how where that term came from. Um, I, I know some other people have put videos out on it, and I, I it's all I could do not to pick apart the the bad information from history that's in those videos and also the, the lack of scripture. But the idea was that Christianity is viewed by Luciferians as a threat to what they want to do. So whether you, so whether you believe because a person doesn't keep the all the commandments like they should like they could or at least the ones that apply to them right they they don't keep as many as they could and they think they just have to keep the, the ten commandments or they're confused with with bad supersessionism doctrine that thinks that the law's done away with or wherever you are in that camp just know that the enemy views christians the ones that you may think are either greatly deceived or immature in their faith they view them as a threat because of the lifestyle and the mindset it produces, even even with following the you know the bad doctrine that I address on this channel all the time from modern Christian churches, it still produces an obstacle to the new world order, according to the people trying to establish the new world order.
Okay. So let's look at this 10 point plan that she put out a long time ago that she thinks she wants to destroy Christianity and bring in the new world order. Number one, she wants to take God and prayer out of the education system. Guys, put it in the chat. What was that, 1963 or 1964? They officially said no one could pray in the classrooms anymore in schools. As a far as a part of like the morning, the morning prayer. Now, even some schools will do like morning meditation. They'll turn the lights off for two minutes and you just sit and meditate on good vibes in the universe. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Number two, reduce parental authority over children by three means promoting excess children, childish, excuse me, excessive child rights, abolish corporal punishment, and teachers are the agents of implementation. So we're seeing this abundantly in our culture right now. Abundantly. Number three, destroy the Judeo-Christian family structure and do this by two means, through promoting sexual promiscuity and using the advertising industry, specifically media, movies, TVs, and magazines. Number four, if sex is free, then make abortion legal and make it easy. Wow. <laughs> she had a lot to say, right? She's got six more. Number five, make divorce easy and legal. Free people from the concept of marriage for life. So this is a married woman who's, this is her 10-point plan to bring the new world order and destroy Christianity. Number six, make homosexuality an alternate lifestyle. Number seven, debase art. Make it run mad. Make it run mad. So this is what it means to take art that was distinguishable and then to make it nonsense. Vague shapes, vague ideas, interpretive, a banana duct taped to a wall that sells for $15,000. I'm not joking. That's a, a legit thing that happened recently. So this is, we've seen that. I mean, we've so far, we've seen every single one of these in our current lifestyle, in our current modern society. Number eight, use media to promote change, to promote and change mindset. We see that propaganda daily. Number nine, create an interfaith movement. We see that too. That's already happening with the church. And number 10, get governments to make all these laws and get the church to endorse these changes. And we are seeing that happen abundantly. Then all I hear of many of these things already made legal as a law, but now many of the churches not just allow it and tolerate it, but some of them are straight flying the LGBT flag out in front of their buildings. Some of them, guys, they're, they're heavily involved in the interfaith movement with the Catholic Church. They're not fighting for prayer in the church anymore. They're not fighting to end abortion anymore. They believe that DHS can come in and um, take your children if they want, right? I mean, th there's all this stuff. The church is not only brainwashed itself, but it's promoting these same things that they've been brainwashed in as they were children. It's sad. All right. Anatolia. Mikhailovich Golitsyn, I think I said his name right. He was a Soviet KGB defector. He's the author of two books about the long-term deception strategy of the KGB leadership. He was born in Puritan, Ukrainian SSR. He is, no, Karen Steve, that's 10 out of 10, sister. That's 10 out of 10. That we, We've hit all 10 in our country at this point, in the United States at least. I'm not sure what country you're from. We've hit all 10. 10 out of 10. These are the people that are still consulting the United Nations. They're still a part 
the main consultants of the United Nations. All right, but let's look at another guy from um, from Russia. Okay, he was a defector. He was former KGB, and he says um, behind the mask of diplomatic and political corporate and partnerships with the United States and Europe, the current Russian leaders are following the strategy of their predecessors, working towards a new world order. When the right moment comes, the masks will drop and the Russians with the Chinese will help seek to impose their system on the West on their own terms. He also goes on to say they, meaning the Soviets, intend to induce the Americans to adopt their own restructuring and convergence of the Soviet and American systems, using to this end the fear of nuclear conflict. Convergence will be accompanied by bloodbaths in political re-education camps in Western Europe and the United States. The Soviet strategists are counting on an economic depression in the United States and intend to introduce their reformed model of socialism with a human face as an alternative to the American system during this depression. Guys, this is being spoken in the last 30 years. This is not talking about the Great Depression from the 1920s and the 20th century. This is being spoken in our modern times. So the Soviet, he goes on to say in his books, the Soviet transition to a new political structure shows that the Soviet strategies are thinking, planning, and acting in broad terms way beyond the Im imagination of Western politicians. For this reason, Western politicians cannot grasp the fact that the Soviet intention is to win by democratic means. Through transition to a new system, the Soviets are revitalizing their own people and institutions, and they are succeeding. Contrary to Western belief, they are holding their ranks together. He goes on to say, and the West's main weakness remains unchanged. It cannot grasp the fact that it is facing an acceleration and the unfolding of Soviet convergence strategy, which is intended to procure the subservience of the West to Moscow under an ultimate communist world government. So just in case you guys were wondering why the United Nations is pushing for world dominance, I think it was what uh, when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. Was it when she was Secretary of State? Put it in the comments if you remember. But didn't she sign the bill that allowed for an authorization of a uh, privately funded military force for the United Nations? Um, I think that's what it was. But they say she's trying to help them get their own ability to enforce their own will. Because guess what? She's a part of right. She's a part of the socialist ideals. She's a supporter of the UN. She's 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 basically a modern version of that alan ba alice bailey lady all right guys that's that's the short and skinny of it okay this we saw the motivation from ancient jewish historians we see it from jubilees and genesis as well this idea that they wanted to rule the world and they did at one point they did rule the world to a degree but they wanted to do it with um not just simply building a tower to heaven, that's a whole nother conversation, but also how they manipulated the people into doing it, playing upon their fears, getting to be angry at God through their own self-will, their own quote-unquote bravery. Uh, we're seeing all these mantras today being Im implemented on the people and especially the younger children, the younger generations. And this is going in line with a systematic attack over the last 70 to 80 years from people that have literal ties to the United Nations and the former KGB guy who who acknowledges all these things, but more than anything, we we most of us already understand and know that there is um, even within American politicians, there is a lot of people that it does even if they're Republican guys, people think Republicans are conservatives. 
even, no, that's not the case. Even if they're Republicans, you just watch their voting habits and you realize that they're letting a agenda go through decade after decade. Their rhetoric every four years may change, but if you follow the money where these policies are taking things, left and right, now all that fades away. They're doing the same stuff. They're doing the same stuff. It's a systematic, little by little, they change the government to tyranny. It's systematic. So I'm not doing this show tonight in order to bring doom or to bring fear, not at all. You have to bring awareness to what's going on. And, and if I could give like the most short version of history that I can to help you guys out, to have an understanding, if no one's ever showed this stuff to you, or if you're finding this video and you've never heard of this channel before, hopefully it'll wake you up a little bit to realize that this, this kind of attack that we're under is not just a political attack. There's an explicit spiritual aspect involved in this. So I unabashedly say that socialist communism is a doctrine of demons that was used and implored throughout history, through ancient kingdoms, all the way back to the Tower of Babel, used and implored by Nimrod. Oh, and by the way, Jubilees chapter 8 talks about this unique character called Kenan, how he found the writings of the Watchers uh, drying out on a rock after the flood. And he didn't want to tell Noah about it because he knew they'd be upset about it. And it was specifically in, in, in omens relating to the stars and moons and things. But I think it's interesting that this, this type of... Uh, political ideology starts arising because this Keenan guy, he married the daughter-in-law or he married the, um, I want to say one of the, uh, the granddaughter of Nimrod as far, as far as I can understand from Jubilees chapter eight, you guys have to go back into Jubilees because it, uh, chapter eight, it calls Nimrod Nibrod. It's the Greek transliteration of Nimrod. So it's called Nibrod, but it's the same guy. So suddenly the occult is, is restarted. Idolatry is restarted after the flood. Nimrod's rising to power after they found the writings of the Watchers. Nimrod's employing a systematic, philosophical, political, and religious strategy that gets the people to be atheistic, right? To get them away from believing in God. Yes, they were polytheists as far as worshiping idols, but as far as the idea of thinking that we're going to literally rebel. We don't care about God. We're going to rebel against him. This whole concept that we see from modern humanists and atheists today, um, that's the same mantra that is being preached and pushed upon the people for deception that were building the Tower of Babel, that through their own bravery, they would secure their happiness, their own means, and that he would push them away from the fear of God. And then, little by little, he gets the government to change it to tyranny, to take over these people. It's the same thing we see all throughout history at different stages. But, the, but specifically, we're seeing this in the last 120 years in our life. So this is uh, something that I would just encourage everyone to pray about. Uh, pray for your, your local leaders. Um, try to get involved if you can. You know, Pray for not just the local leaders, but also the, you know, your governors of your states, uh, your your People, you know, get involved as far as writing your senators and your state reps and your governor, uh, form coalitions with your with your people, your gov your groups that are in your community so that you can, especially with social media, it should be easy, right? You just get everyone that you can find who's like minded within your city, or your town. And you get you guys get online and you you create your own group and you can always communicate and you can inform each other what's going on and who to call, who to talk to and how to petition them peacefully and lovingly, but also firmly to let them know they will be taken out of office if they're not going to abide by the representation that they swore to. 
And that way you can, even at a, at a local level, you can start to change things within your region and your area. Uh, because like this guy, this Anatoly Galitskin guy said, who's a former KGB defector, they want to implement change in the United States through democratic means. Means they're involved in the election process. There's a lot of Manchurian candidates, guys, out there. I know it sounds conspiratorial, but this is literally the plan of New World Order communists um, for the last hundred years. They're trying to get involved in the U.S. elections to take us down. This is the huge issue. They want to take us down, so they, we're like the biggest stalwart for them having a one-world government. Is is <laughs> the United States? So. Pray for your, your local leaders. Try to get involved as much as you can. Take steps to um, organize and assemble so that you can communicate you know, your internal beliefs about Scripture, what's based and what's right and wrong. So you communicate those and get your people to, to um, uh, abide by your representation properly. And if they don't, then you can change, change their leadership or maybe one of you guys run. Who knows? But the point is the federal national level is a little bit different deal. Um, I truly believe that that's... It's not elected anymore. That's been selected for a long time. That's a wholly different concept. That one's that also needs prayer, right? For give the Father, give us wisdom and what to do and how to approach that thing. Um, but on one hand, this this is in Scripture, right? That you know the Israelites were told to pray for the welfare of Babylon because that's where they were going to be. And that's just the skinny. That's just the, the hard reality of it, right? This is where we are until the Messiah comes back. We're in the dispersion, dealing with all these corrupt nations and the leaders and the Luciferians that run them, the Freemasons. This is where we are. This is the hard reality, just like the Israelites had to face going into Babylon. This is the hard reality of where we are. We we come out of Babylon with our behavior, with our hearts, but guys, there's nowhere to go on this earth. These people rule the world, and they have for a long time. So what we do see is incredible moments in scripture where the father will move on the hearts of wicked kings in order to provide a change in policy. We see that in Esther and Tobit and also in, uh, in the book of Daniel. So the, it's not impossible. And this things can't happen. It just takes the faith of people that are good hearted, keeping his ways, which means your prayers become extremely effective. So it, it, it does boil down to our responsibility and how we can affect things around us. So we don't just get overrun by this big bulldozer that is trying to come our way. So I just want to encourage you, if nothing else, we have a lot of examples in scripture that tell us that all the plans of the enemy, they're not final. Right? They're not the father and their plans can be thwarted in a heartbeat. The whole world assembled to build a big tower to try to get to the firmament and take on God. <laughs> their plans were thwarted in a heartbeat. Right. So and it took them 43 years to assemble just to the point where they got people don't know how far up they got uh, the Jubilee. The book of Jubilees gives those measurements that I read. But technically, I don't know how to I have never found a good translation of those measurements into English. You know how how high it was, whether it was two miles high or whatnot. I mean, I've heard so many different theories about it, but it's hard for me to find definitive information about it. The point is, that was a huge project that was happening over time. And the father still took it out in it, you know, in a short amount of time and brought judgment to them. And that can ha that can happen. So what we do see in scripture and in uh, prophecy about leading up to the return of the Messiah is that not all the nations are at peace with each other. There's and there's other there's passages I don't have my availability in my, my, my memory right now, but there's other passages that talk about how the um, 
for all the nations that doesn't go and fight against Jerusalem and doesn't persecute the saints, they're not going to, they're going to be viewed favorably when the Messiah returns, which means they didn't uh, ally themselves with the, with the beast and with mother Babylon. You see what I'm saying? So do not be hopeless. Do not fear. You serve a mighty God. Just like, and Paul says in first Thessalonians four, 13 through 18, that there'll be those who are alive and remain who get changed in the twinkling of an eye, first Corinthians 15, 51. At the first resurrection, when Yeshua returns, so the dead in Christ raised first, but then those who are alive and remain are changed the twinkling of an eye. That means they're believers that were not killed by wars or persecutions or whatever that was going on. So the point is, have you know, believe in the resurrection for one. I mean, that's your that's your most fundamental hope, right? With our faith in Christ, is that we'll be resurrected to eternal life, even if our life it ends in a way that we don't like. Okay, but. Even with a lot of this stuff that looks like we're heading towards a cliff as far as the implementing the plans of some sort of new world order by a group of Luciferians that have been at it for a long, long time to accomplish this, even if we are getting close to that kind of concept, do not fear. The Father loves you. He knows what's going on. He's prophesied all this stuff before it's going to happen. He's got a, he's got a place of honor. And glory and immortality, as Romans 2 7 explains, for you if you persist in your faith and in keeping his behavior. So do not fear, because that is the opposite of pleasing God. Right? Just get in the word, know, just be informed. That's one thing. Be informed, do your best to make active change around you, like I was talking about, but ultimately do not fear. That's just hopefully I want to encourage everyone. If you guys have any questions, put them in the chat, put them in all caps, and that way I can see them easily. Also, the moderators can see them easily. So please do that, and then I'll be able to try to take a couple questions if you have any tonight. Uh, I think Bobby Moe is asking about Revelation 13.7. We'll go there and read it for everyone following along. This is going to be about the mark of the beast. Um, all right, and I'm not sure exactly what your question is, Bobby. I know you're asking about it as far as, you know, what do I think about it? I mean, I think it's going to come true. I think that uh, we see all types of this idea um, in corrupt empires in the past. And, and yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeing shades of this kind of stuff right now in our own society where with medical tyranny, getting everyone afraid of this, you know, virus that they think that's going to kill everybody, even though they've had stats showing it doesn't kill everybody. But even with modern medical tyranny, that's being propagated to the people for fear that they're already trying to do something like this. And we know that, you know, we know that they want to push a vaccine agenda, which is part of their transhumanism agenda. That's a whole other show we're gonna we're gonna do in the future. But because um, there's a lot of different arms, there's a lot of different arms to the octopus, right? To the to the hydra, there's a lot of different heads to the hydra. And that's all. That's also a, something I almost did tonight, but I think I'll save it till next week. I was gonna do another truth in movies episode. We're gonna go over the Captain America movies because there's a ton of uh, predictive programming and symbolism in those. Uh, Hydra being one of them, right? 
and because they had actually infiltrated the American government and were bringing about these changes to bring about a new world order. So. Uh, Chris King is asking, to your knowledge, is it possible that the Antichrist is not a man but a position? No, brother, I've done a whole... Um, I've done a whole video on the Antichrist. I was just reading about him tonight. He's Nimrod. It's actually one of my videos. It's, it's called Apollyon. So go to my playlists um, on my channel and go to the Apollyon playlist. And it's a video I've done. It's about 45, 53 minutes long. And I go over all the scriptures explaining to you why the beast is Nimrod come back. Okay. So there's, there's history there. There's Egyptian hieroglyphs. There's, there's all kinds of stuff I go through and, I, and a ton of scripture to show you the correlation and how it's predicted as prophecy. And, and there's a reason for it. I know it sounds, I, I'm not going to go through all 53 minutes right now, but um, that's the short version. Go check out. If you're interested for all the scriptures, go check out that video. I go through them thoroughly. Richard Marriott is asking, is a mandatory vaccine the mark? I don't know, man. I think it's part of uh, transhumanism agendas because of what's in it and how it's trying to mess with our, you know, our, our internal DNA and everything. I think it's, and it's, it's also part of the depopulation agenda, which is what I think is some of the four horsemen impl imp being implemented, you know, as far as prophecy goes, but um, I don't think it's the actual mark. So I I'll be honest with you as far as the physicality. And this is what Jay's Jo's question is. I don't guys, I apologize as much as, as I um, have answered questions about the scriptures this is one that I, you've never seen me do a video on because i just don't know what it is whether it's a political agenda that people aren't in line with whether it's simply allegiance to the beast in babylon um, or whether it's a physical mark you got to get you know th through some sort of identification concept uh, which may be predicated upon you getting a vaccine or or you vowing allegiance to a certain uh new world order right so i, I mean I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't know what the mechanism of implementation is. I just know the outcome of what it is, is that not everybody takes it. And the people that do take it, uh, they seem to, to be lumped in with the people that get the wrath of the Lamb when he returns. That's why there's a whole bunch of survivors of the Day of the Lord, because not everybody takes it. So, you know, it's whatever it is. Modern preaching in the last 40, 50 years has hyped it up much more than scriptures actually hype it up. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Because not everybody takes it, guys. There's a lot of people that don't take it, that do not get immediately lumped into the market uh, to the wrath of the Lamb because they didn't take it, and they're survivors of the nations. Uh, you know that, so they either took took part in the resurrection, and if they didn't take part in the resurrection and they weren't killed, then they were survivors of the nations who did not take part in the mark of the beast either. Because everyone that takes part in the mark of the beast, they're going to get burned with fire. They're, they're going to get the wrath of the lamb on the day of the Lord because they're drawn to the battles uh, to try to fight Yeshua and his angels at his return. But So that makes me think it is some kind of something that, that you put in your body that, you know, it's not just simply allegiance, but it's something that draws, you know, it could be some sort of, you know, like mind control or some sort of mechanism that initiates mind control, whether through chemical release or through messing with your brain. You know, I know many of you guys know that Elon Musk is talking about putting putting microchips in the back of your cerebellum. So there's there's a lot going on right now, guys. I apologize. I don't know what the actual implementation of the mark is. I just know what scripture describes as the outcomes. Gosman 
144,000 is asking, Sean, have you ever looked into the fact that Saturday is not the Sabbath? It is the, yes, I've looked into it, brother, and I strongly disagree. We've, uh, I'm, and I, I, maybe it'll be for another, another uh, show, but I'm definitely a seventh day, seven day, you know, they're on the seventh day, Genesis 2, one through three, the father uh, hallowed the Sabbath, which is the seventh day. And that's, that's in addition to all the feasts, those are also called Sabbaths as well. And I, I've looked into it in great depth and I've, I've talked about it in other, other shows, but I've never done a specific show on it. Maybe I will do one on it to show why I do not agree with lunar Sabbatarian stuff. So, uh, Joy Trujillo, 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 I think I said that right. I know you gave me the phonetic spelling one night and I apologize, sister. I'm trying to get it right. Trujillo. If we are dedicated to not fear, if we are directed to not fear, why would we homestead? Oh, well, there's a lot of, like I've said before in the past that, you know, I, everyone may have a different opinion. I personally think we have at least 50 to 70 years before things get really bad. Because as I read through some of these things tonight, there's still a moment where after they get all their societal things implemented, there's still huge mechanisms of change that has to happen before, you know, before they can truly implement a full takeover, right? So there's a lot of, and, th and that's that's what I'm talking about. We have time in between then and now to affect change and to, and to thwart those plans even further, right? And this is where we would pray. But the idea of homesteading is simply the idea that a lot of people are they, you know, they want to protect their children and themselves from the pollution that comes from the city. And I don't mean the air pollution. I mean, you know, the societal and the religious and moral pollution that comes from major concentrations of the city. Whereas, you know, they just want to be able to, you know get get out about live out in the country a little bit take care of their own sins be self-sufficient and independent there's nothing wrong with that uh, you're literally going back to biblical days right to to try to make sure you can provide for yourself in all capacities um, and also for the things that are coming uh, like zach bauer talks about on his homestead channel and on his new tutorial channel i mean for the things that are coming as far as the types of wars um that you know it's not a bad idea to be outside of the major population center okay to be outside of the city and because um, statistically it would take people longer to get you know as people flee the city in search of food or provisions or just in search of crime statistically you're away from all that so it, it's a less likelihood that they'll make their way to your door and by the time they do you know, you have time to defend yourself and are prepared to defend yourself. So there's there's a lot of things that go into it, as well as raising up your children and trying to make sure that they follow in a certain way and they're not subjected to a lot of the public indoctrination that we see um, that's anti-scripture. You know what I'm saying? So there's a ton of reasons. That's a that's a. I would love to have Zach on and talk about homesteading some night in the future if he's ever willing. All right. J.O., I've already done a show on this. If you'll go to my playlist on, um, it's my milk and meat playlist. I've done an entire show on this. I'll pull it up and I'll put it in the chat for you. Um, one second. A lot of scripture and not everybody agreed with this, but I'm going to give, I'm going to drop this in the chat for you. Okay, brother. You can go watch this after this broadcast if you're interested in my take on this and all the scriptures I use. And it's, I did this back in February. Time is flying. Can't believe I've done milk and meat for that long already. 
All right, so here it is. I'm dropping the chat and go check that out. It's uh, when does the day begin? And that'll also relate to the Sabbath. Okay, brother. Stephen Schofield is asking, can you elaborate on how you create Nimrod to Lucifer? Thanks and Shalom. Uh, I do in that video. It's, again, it's it's a whole video. It's um, for one is Isaiah 14, 5 through 23 or 5 through 21 is uh, literally telling you the the mindset and the propaganda. It's telling you the history of Nimrod um, and even in his death and everything. So like it's not talking about the, the modern day king of Babylon. There was no modern day king of Babylon. The days Isaiah was prophesying that. Uh, wasn't it wasn't talking about um, because the king of Babylon hadn't taken over all the region yet in that day when Isaiah was prophesying that and it was it was giving you a history and then it leads into other stuff that's in day of the Lord prophecy so there's a lot of stuff in there I go over that chapter in that video that I talked about it's called Apollyon and I, I go over all the scriptures about it not just in the in Isaiah but in Genesis and, and Micah and, and Amos and a whole bunch of different places so there's there's a lot of evidence there's a lot of evidence to Nimrod um, being the one that's referred to as Lucifer in Isaiah 14, as well as Apollyon, who comes back as the beast from the pit. So has a lot to do with ancient Egypt, and I go over that as well. So go check that video out if you have a, have a chance. I'll put it in the chat real quick. It's, uh, it's called Apollyon. It's a pretty popular video of mine. I'm almost uh, finished copy pasting it for you. All right, I put it in the chat for you, brother. Go try to check that out if you have a chance when you have time. Yeah, you're welcome, Stephen. Thanks, Bobby. I appreciate the compliment, brother. I do. I really do. Uh, and bless you, Angelo. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for being here. All right. If you guys have any other questions, put them in all caps. That way I can get to them quickly and see them. Otherwise, I'm just scrolling the chat. I don't think I see any others right now. Yeah. Appreciate you guys, though, for being here. Um, <laughs> looks like uh, official Mike Maranatha has seen our video. All right, guys, y'all are a blessing. Really, really appreciate you. Uh, J.O., it's not that simple, brother, because America is a part of um, the, you know, part of the, the, it's not just simply that America, I don't exactly know what you mean by America fall, but it's not that simple that the whole goal of the new world order is to get America to be a part of it in a way that they can control, not just the country. They can already control the policies. They already are. That's what I read to you tonight, guys, with those 10 points to, to bring the new world order in and destroy Christianity in America. They, they already are accomplishing that. And they already have great control over, in my opinion, 95% of all of our politicians anyway. That's not that's not the issue. It's the people. It's the American people. And that's where it's going to take, in my opinion, it's either going to take um, a World War III concept where they literally invade the mainland America 
where it's going to take another few generations like we see of the generation that's coming up now that's fully indoctrinated in socialism. If you guys have talked to anyone that's 19 or 20 years old that's going to college, their professors are teaching them socialism and they're teaching them to hate uh, representative republic style of government that we currently have in our country. They're teaching them socialism. So you just need a few generations of that. And then the people will vote in socialism because they're all brainwashed from grandparent down to grandchild. You see how that works? That's why they say they do it incrementally over time. It's it's And, and if they have to do it quickly in a single generation, and they usually do it through lots and lots of warfare, but it's called the, the war theater, right? They put on the theater of war, which is a mass uh, trauma-based mind control system where they in, indoctrinate or bring in sweeping change through mass fear, through mass casualty, and that's usually why they have wars and i've and i didn't even put up albert pike's famous letter where they tell he talks about orchestrating the three world wars in the next 150 years and this is albert pike a, a 33 degree freemason uh from the 1800s i think 1860s right he's talking about at that point how they were planning to orchestrate three world wars in order to bring about the change they wanted right which lends right into luciferianism right which they said when they bring about this change that it would reveal you know the lucifer the light bringer so this has been a long orchestrated plan long long time uh angelo it's part of it that's just a part of it brother but there's other headquarters and centers all around the world and remember the beast has 10 kings they give their kingdom and their power to him for one hour uh, for a purpose, but the point is that there's a large affiliation across the world. It's not just um, modern-day Zionist Israel, and and that because they're all Luciferian too. So it's just not it's not that simple. If I could put it like that, it's much more spider-webbed across many nations. So at least that's my understanding of it. All right, guys, I really appreciate y'all. I got to go for tonight, but um, thanks for all your questions. If you have any further ones, try to put them in the comments after we're done. Uh, hopefully this was, you know, educational and I appreciate you joining me. Well, hopefully everyone shows up tomorrow night for hopefully it'll be a riveting episode of Milk and Meats. Appreciate you. See you next time.